0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church, located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Good morning, Mission Church. And now, now, that sounds good for me, but what about Jesus? And can we hear a worship for Jesus? Oh, that's what we really came to see. That's what we really came to see. But so, uh, it's so good to be home. Uh, Welcome, uh, Mission Church. And if you uh, are joining online, what a privilege it is that you would uh, open up this link and and worship with us, uh, even uh, from a distance, even virtually. And I pray that uh, you would hear the message and and be blessed today. Uh, Let's pray. God, we say thank you uh, that we can open up your word, that we can come into an air-conditioned house. Thank you, Jesus, who almost went in my tongues. Um, Thank you, Lord, for the air conditioning uh, in this place. Oh, God, we love you. Um, God, we ask that your word would go forth. uh, God, that it would be unadulterated. God, that it would not be tainted. But God, we just want to hear from you. God, that you would strengthen, that you would encourage, that you would correct, that you would make straight, God. God, that you would uh, send your word that you said it won't go back void. God, we're so thankful that you have been faithful. We're so thankful that you are the one who's intentional. You're the one who seeks us out. God, we love you. God, we thank you, God, that you died on the cross, that we can have access to your presence. God, that we can come to your throne room anytime. God, it might be midnight, but we can come. It might be at 11 o'clock in the morning, but we can come. God, no matter what, you you don't put us on hold. You uh, You don't leave us hanging. God, you answer every single time because of what you've done on the cross. We say thank you. Let us not be Dole to that this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, So it is good to be with you all. Here's what I want you to do, okay? My question for you today, this morning, is what is something that you would give a 10 out of 10 recommendation for? So you can think about that. It could be a hobby, it could be a TV show, it could be your latest Amazon gift um, that you bought, uh, it could be a present, uh, uh, it could be a multiple things. What is something that you would give a 10 out of 10 recommendation for? So take a moment, think about that. I literally see some people are like ready, like people were pointing at people. Wow. Um, why don't you turn to someone next to you, say, hi, nice to meet you. Um, if you didn't ride with them, uh, um, make sure you know their name. We're living in 2022. We definitely got to know people's names that we're sitting next to. Um, ask them, what, what is your 10 out of 10 recommendation? All right, what are some, just a shout out, what is something that you recommend? Broderick's restaurant. Ho, hookah. Hookah. Hookah's, what is that? The shoes. Okay, I was a little nervous. I was like, okay, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we saved church. <laughs> uh, the shoes, the shoes, the shoes. Amen, hallelujah, the shoes. Right, any other, what, are, what else do you recommend? <laughs> out the door the dough. The owner is in the house. Paul Pizza, you are adamant about this. Pizza, just pizza, 10 out of 10 recommendation. So this was a little exercise to prove that you're actually a better evangelist than you think. You were, it didn't even take you long to, some of you were like, I got it. I got it. I'm ready. Before I even finished the question, you had what you wanted to share. There was no prompting. It just flowed out of you. And the thing was, you were joyful about it because you had tasted and seen that it was good, and you want to share it with somebody. So today, my goal, our hope is that you would see the gospel as joyous and something willing to share. You are better at sharing than you think. So the funny thing is... The funny thing is, you didn't ask them before you shared, even though it was a prompt, even though I kind of made you the setup. But I guarantee you, the thing that you shared, um, I will I'll give you an example. This iPad is one of the best things I've ever bought in my entire life for my teaching career. I bought it during the pandemic, OK? And I use it every day in class. It is a game changer. If you're not in education, I don't know what to tell you, because this right here is where it's at. So, People do not have to ask me um, to uh, t- to give an ad for this. Um, I come find them. I, I go to each. And- I've gone to each and every one of my colleagues, and I said, "If you don't have an iPad, you need to get one." I know it's expensive, but this is a game changer. I find them to share because it has been such a life changer for me in my classroom. Kids love to write on it. I can actually show kids work up on the board, like I- math is happening, and in- It's thanks to the iPad. Um, So shout out to Apple. Apple, if you're watching this, um, I can be a sponsor if you want. Okay. All right. Um, But when we think about the gospel, or we think about evangelism, uh, here are some of modern day things that you think of. Um, So here's the first, if you could put up the first photo. So this is actually, uh, I'm there in the middle. uh, so this is actually a picture when I was in Ghana in 2019. This was a team of us uh, that were there uh, to share the gospel. And we were also partnering with IJM, a local uh, international. It's called the International Justice Mission. And we were partnering with their local team there uh, to help um, rescue boys from the fishing industry there in Lake, on Lake Volta. But this was our campus ministry day. And so many of us, when we think about evangelism, we think oh, I got a flyer all the way across the world to share the gospel with people that I've never met before, the culture I've never been to. These are the people that really need the gospel. These are the people. But I, can you just look to your neighbor real quick? They're the same people that need, they're the, same people that need the gospel right next to you. And so when we think about evangelism, this is one way we think about evangelism. You gotta fly all the way across the country, uh, across the world, and it's funny, it's always Africa. <laughs> Anyways, that's another message for another time. Another message for another time. Next picture, before I get in trouble. Um, oh, this image is not uh, too good, but w- when we also think about evangelism, this is what people think of. Street preachers, you go to hell, if you don't turn, you will burn, right? <laughs> And the heart behind this, Jesus doesn't just save you from a place. Salvation, the gospel, is not about a place. It's about a person. The person is Jesus. The whole gospel message is that you would know him. So this is uh, what John 3, 16 says. It says that uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And what I love about this, it says in John 17, 3 it makes it plain that this is eternal life that they may know you. It doesn't say this is eternal life that you make it into heaven where the streets are gold. It doesn't say this is eternal life that you would have no more tears and no more pain while all that is true, it's not about a place, it's about a person. It's not about a circumstance, it's about a person. And so eternal eternal life doesn't have to wait to the other side of death, but eternal life is available now. That the person of Jesus is available for a relationship now. And so so while, while I think, has God used that in the past? Can he still use it? If you can use a donkey to talk, I'm sure he can use this, but I don't know if it gets to the heart of what evangelism, what the gospel says. And then the other thing, um, the next slide, um, when we think about evangelism, mm, we think if we can just get them into the four walls of the church, that's evangelism. If I invite them to church, absolutely, please invite people to church. If you were invited um, to church and that's how you got to to God be the glory. I'm not downplaying this, but we can't have a box around how God wants to spread the good news that he's coming and he wants a relationship with you. If we think that if it's just going to be contained in the four walls of the church, will we be duped and we won't see revival? Because Jesus literally died so that it would not be contained in the four walls of the church. When he died on the cross, it says that the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom and that was to represent that now everyone has access, that you don't have to go into the holy of the holies. It's not a geographical place, but now it's, a, it's about a spiritual place that God changes your heart and changes your mind and now we are the temple of God. And so it's not about the four walls of the church necessarily, but it's about how can we get the gospel message anywhere and however we can. And if you look at Jesus's ministry and all the times he healed or all the times he he saved people, many times it actually wasn't in church. If you read the gospels, it was on his way somewhere. If you read the gospels, it was in people's houses. It wasn't in a church building, it wasn't in the temple that most uh, people we see in the Gospels being healed or or Jesus touching them and their lives are forever changed. We'll even see uh, in a moment uh, later on about the the woman at at the well, and I preached on it last time, that that wasn't a church service where this woman changed. And and this woman didn't go into a church to, to share the Gospel message and her story, but it happened outside the four walls. Another way we think about the gospel is this. (sighs) If my bio on social media has a scripture, people are going to get saved. I know it. I know if they read, if they just read my caption, if they follow me, and they see my post that I was at Mission Church, I know Jesus will get to their heart. And don't get me wrong, our social media team is on fire here. Let me tell you, I know many people that are, came to church and, and their lives were therefore subsequently changed because of our, our social media game. So I, I, I'm not saying that we can't use or we should not use social media, but if we think this is the extent of the gospel... Mm, I think we'll miss it. We'll miss God's heart for what he's trying to do and what he wants to use you for in the world. So uh, one of the reasons why we have a hard time sharing the gospel is because we don't know what the gospel is. And we don't really know what we believe. And, and this is really a double down, come on, Pastor Tyler, uh, from his message last week where he talked about the gospel. And I just want to uh, dive in a little bit deeper. I want to read uh, Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Uh, Paul is talking to the cr- uh, church at Corinth. Um, as Pastor Tyler said, one of the most dysfunctional churches uh, in the Bible. Uh, and this is what he has to say to them towards the end of his letter. should be on the screen in a moment. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 1 through4. It says, "Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, and here's the message of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day with, uh, in accordance with the scriptures. And so here, the first part uh, in verse 1 of chapter 15, he says, I would remind you, brothers, Paul sees a need to remind them of the gospel. This does not mean they have forgotten it, but there is an ongoing need for the gospel message to be fresh in the minds and the hearts of his people. He then goes on to say, this is the gospel. I'm going to remind you of that which I preached to you. This is how they heard the gospel message to begin with. Paul preached to them. Paul verbally, so I'm going to say verbally, Share this message with them. Yes, we are to be living testaments of God's word, but at the same time, don't let that negate your responsibility to share vocally. That there is a call on our life to share verbally with others the good news of Jesus Christ. And so uh, it's really important uh, that we see how Paul speaks to the Corinthians here. It says that, I am preaching this gospel, and I'm reminding you of this gospel, which you received. These are already believers. These are people that are already uh, born again. They received the gospel message. That's the same thing as like receiving it in faith, believing on the work of Christ. So they are already believers, but we see here that Paul finds the necessity to preach it to them anyway. Because he says, this is the gospel in which you present tense stand, by which you are present tense, being saved. And so here, there's two things in view. There is the justification being made right by God by saying yes to the gospel message. And then there is this sanctification part of growing in your intimacy with God. And that is in still need of the gospel message that you don't graduate from the gospel message. You can't say, oh, well, I got my degree. I already took that class. I said yes to Jesus. Because if you end up doing that, you end up end up um, distorting the gospel message because if you graduate from the gospel, by what standard are you then allowed to access God? If you remove yourself from what Christ did, how is what is your standing? What is your moral ground? What is um, your deliverance? Or what is the reason why you can cry out, Abba, Father, if you are graduated from the gospel? So he says, that this is by which you are being saved. And, and really, the gospel has an uh, ancient context to it. Uh, in the biblical days, it wasn't just a church word. You really only hear gospel now in church. But church, uh, gospel wasn't a church word. It really meant literally good news. And someone, how it would work is usually it would be in battle. That was the main way that it was used. Uh, When a uh, tribe or a city or uh, a a culture uh, was under attack or they were in war, there would be need for a messenger to share the gospel, the good news of victory, to the people uh, back at the villages because if they did not hear the good news of victory being won, they would pillage and they would riot their own places because they knew that the enemy would be soon approaching. And so it was a free-for-all and it was every man for themselves, every family for themselves. And so there would need be a messenger to share this good news of victory so that the town wouldn't destroy itself before the enemy came. And so in the same way, this is why we have adopted this language, the church has adopted this language of the gospel, it's because we have found ourselves in need of some good news. We have found ourselves in need of some good news because there is an enemy and there is a war at hand, and right now it looks like every man for themselves every family for themselves, and, and I don't know about you, but I think the Bay Area is definitely in need of some good news, that the victory has already been won, that you don't have to fight for victory, but you can fight from a place of victory because of what Christ has done on the cross. That is the gospel. That is good news to us this morning, and so uh, one practical tool that you can use to share the gospel is what uh, theologians and, and kind of church culture call the Romans Road. And I just want to make sure that we're all in the same place today uh, with the understanding of what is the gospel by going through this Romans road. It really just walks through a couple of scriptures in Romans of what is the gospel message. Uh, why is this good news? So Romans 1:20. Paul starts his letter. So Paul is the author of this letter through the inspired, um, this is an inspired text through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is using Paul to write this letter to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, for his invisible attributes, talking about God, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made. And so they were out excuse. So Paul here is laying the groundwork for why this matters, why the gospel message matters. The gospel message is important because it's about God, namely, the one who has eternal power and the one who is divine in nature. He is the creator of all things. Now, already, there has to be a decision that you have to make in your mind. Either this God exists or he does not. Either he exists or he does not, and if yes, then that has a whole different set of implications for your life because if this God exist, and he is the creator of all things, that bears weight on what he has to say about my life and my purpose. You can't just take that truth and says yes, there's a God that exists, and he, he's the creator of all things. I believe in that. But it, there, there should not be a disconnect through your, your practical life if that is true. If not, if there is no God, you can go home now. We, this is just entertainment, we can go. Everybody, you're excused. Uh, have a good day. But, my, but my, my conviction, my argument this morning is that there is a God who is the creator of all things. And he, he did not exist in time, but he was forever existent, ever eternal. He has all power in his hands, and that's not just good news because he's created, but he came so that you would have relationship with him. So so that's the first thing. He's laying the groundwork as to why this gospel message you should care about, because there is a creator, and he created you. And so if I could lay out the gospel message before I continue in this Romans row, here's the gospel message. You were created by him, for him, but because of sin you were separated from him, so through Christ he had to bring you to him and now you can live because of him in intimacy with him. I'll repeat that again. You were created by him and for him, but because of sin you were separated from him. So through Christ he had to bring you to him and now you can live because of him in intimacy with him. The emphasis is on the him. And I want you to catch that. So Romans 3:23 so now that we have a God who is all, all- holy, is a creator, is divine, eternal, how, how do I relate to this God at first? What, what, what standing do I have with him? And this is Romans 3.23. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. At the start of creation, Adam and Eve made a decision not to trust God and disobeyed him. Through this, sin and death entered the world, and they lost intimacy with God. The relationship was severed between humanity and God, and we thousands of years later have an active role in this hostility between him and us. Sin is not just a bad thing someone does, but all sin Is rooted in not trusting God, being far from God, not waking up and having God be uh, the person you want to say hi to the most. Uh, It is rested in not being intimate with God, not knowing God. As John 17 3 says, this is eternal life that they may know you. That is the whole point of the gospel. The other behaviors are small letter case symptoms of sin, but that the root of sin is that you don't know God. But here's the thing. I love this gospel message. There's even good news in this right here. Because let me, I'm going to humble you a bit. You ready? Okay. All of us have sinned. Capital A-L-L. Thank you. I don't know why. I'm a math, so the spelling, you know. All. Equally. Equally. One person to your left or to your right doesn't need Jesus more than you, doesn't need Jesus less than you. You have all sinned. If you really think about it, we're all in the same line. There is nobody behind you and there's nobody in front of you. you are, we are equally deserving of the wrath and the anger of God. We have sinned. All of us are in need of a Savior. Every single one of us. But here's the thing. If we're not careful, we can make our own gospel message. Let me read you self 23 in three. Some have sinned and fallen short of the glory of self. Social media 3 in 23. Some have sinned and fallen short of the glory of culture. Politics 3 in 23. Some of you really like that verse. Some have sinned and fallen short of the glory of Republicans and Democrats. Family 3 and 23, some have sinned and fallen short of the glory of family. You will notice that the glory of God has been exchanged for things that are in culture. And whatever your standard is of glory, whatever you are trying to please, trying to live up to, is your God. So you have to be careful. Is career my God? If I'm trying to please my boss and please my career, is your standard your career. So if I can just get to the ladder of career, just some have sinned and I've saved myself. Is your standard your parents? That if I can just please my parents, if I can just match up to the glory of my parents, then I can say that only some have sinned and fallen short. But here the gospel message is just simply all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now he, here. I'm going to double down on this even further. You don't need saving because you lie. You don't need saving because you struggle with pornography or self-control when it comes to sex. I went there. You don't need saving because you uh, have trouble with alcohol, and that's the only way that you know how to cope. You don't need saving because you're addicted to prescription drugs. You don't need saving because you were an absent parent. You don't need saving because your college days were wild. You don't need saving because you might be confused with your sexuality or you have a gambling problem or you're swimming in debt or you struggle with your mental health or you have uncontrollable anger or you were in an emotionally abusive home or maybe you're just a good person but just rough around the edges and that's why you need saving. No, the gospel says that you need saving because you were dead. Those are all things that grieve the heart of God. Don't get me wrong. They all grieve the heart of God. But those aren't the main issues. And thanks be to God that the gospel message still has an answer for those things. That there is freedom and there is healing and restoration to be found. But those, na- those things that can be named aren't the reasons why you are separated from God. Or why you have a need of a savior. You have a need for a savior because you need God and you won't, don't want him. That's why you need the the a Savior. It's because he needs to change your heart and change your mind to see him as infinitely beautiful and not infinitely useful. That God, the creator of the universe, wants intimacy with you and out of right relationship, those other things begin to flow through healing and freedom. That's the gospel message. that is hope, but that is joy. that is peace when you have relationship with him. And so this is um, where uh, he, he goes further and double down. Paul says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, somebody say free. That's my favorite number, free. Gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What we deserve because of sin is death. And this death, like a, it's contrast to eternal life, is separation from God. And so here, we, we deserve death because of sin. We deserve to be eternally separated from God and all the consequences that come from that. We have earned the wrath of God because of how we've treated Him. How we did not love Him. How we've exchanged small good things for the ultimate good thing. But God, somebody say but. but this is a thick but. But God loved you so much that instead of you dying, mm, he died for you on the cross. Jesus, God the Son, took the wrath of God the Father that uh, you and I would have right standing before God, that our relationship could be mended. This cost him his life, but cost us nothing, free, free. Free, 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 free. There is no uh if, ands, or but, there is no um uh contractual things. It's a free gift that we receive through faith. Free, 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 free. Romans five, eight says, but God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners. Come on, scripture. Christ died for us, that when you were messed up, towed up from the flow up, God still came in down and saved you. So the the encouraging part is, if you couldn't save yourself, why do you think you can keep yourself saved? You can't graduate from the gospel that while you were still a sinner, still, somebody say still, still messed up, God said, I love you anyway. I want relationship with you anyway. So on your good day, and think about it, that, that on your good day, think about he loves you on your worst day. On your best day, think about when all the times that you messed up, he said, I, I died for you then, and I, and I died for you now that God is not surprised what he ended up with when he said, you know what, I'm going to give you this free gift. He is not, he doesn't want to, to return you. He, he, he doesn't, um, he didn't make a mistake when he said, I purchased you. I want you as my own. Uh, there is no mistake. He said, I know what I got. I bought you while you were still damaged. While you still, with no one else saw good in you. I did and because I am the God who created you. And, and yes, there was a separation, but I died so that the gap could be closed. It's about the gap of, intimacy being closed. It's not about behavior modification, but it's about heart transformation. That he wants to know you. He wants a relationship with you. So he doubles down on this being a free gift. Christ died for us, even when we didn't want him. And the gospel message is that Jesus wants you, but you don't have to want him first. That, that is amazing to me. So during the pandemic, I um, was with my mom in Fresno. Uh, she was recovering from surgery. And one of the things that we would watch on a TV was called My 600 pounds Life. And on TLC, anybody seen it? Yes, yeah, so yeah, you know, okay. And the weird thing is, we would always watch it while we stuffing down chips or um, <laughs> ice cream, and we'd be like, they sure need a diet. <laughs> we tear it up, them nachos. Um, so a little bit of conviction. Anyhow, we view the gospel message a lot of times like bariatric surgery. And this is what I mean by this. Is that these people who are um, really, really overweight, um, who are really on their, bath de- uh, their death bed, um, this is their only option to see in this doctor on this particular show is doctor now he doesn't really have that good a bedside manner, but um, anyhow, these people come to him and and they're like, this is my last ditch effort to regain my life. And every time, the first thing he does is he says, you need to be on a 1200 calorie diet and you need to lose an X amount of pounds before I can approve you for this surgery. And they work hard, let me tell you. And many times it's so funny, they'll come back and we'll check in, be like, I've been starving myself. And then but they then they cut, they they really not right, but this they shady. They cut right in the middle of that and show them eating six cartons of egg, like a whole carton of eggs, three cases of bacon with a sausage after they said that they starved themselves. But here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. They had to work to be approved for this surgery. That is not how the gospel works. You cannot nor have the ability to get yourself better in a place for God to accept you that is not the gospel message. You do not have to work to be approved by insurance that, yep, this is a great investment that I'm going to make into this person, because that's why they have to lose weight and uh, to be approved by insurance to say, is this going to be an investment that's going to be worth uh, the insurance money uh, and will this be something that they're committed to? God is not saying, okay, is this going to be worth my investment of my son? Is this going to be worth the investment? Um, yeah, they're really, really messed up, but if they can get get here at this benchmark, then I'll save them. No, 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 no. You don't have the ability for that. Moreover, after the surgery, they still have to work to lose the weight. This is a jump starter, really. The surgery is uh, on the right track of life. It does, it's not a miracle worker. It's not, it's not a miracle. Salvation is a miracle (laughs) that you were saved because of grace. That is a miracle. It is not a jump starter. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross and said, all you needed was just a a good jump start to be the best self that you can be. Christ's death resurrected Resurrection uh, is not a jump starter to the best self-help that you have. It's not a 10-step program. Salvation is a miracle from God that those who were far off have been brought near only by the work of Christ, nothing else. That's the gospel message. In Romans 10, and this is the final uh, scripture of uh, the road of Romans. Romans 10 and 9, because if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the moment that you receive the free gift of God. It is with our mouth that we confess, which means to declare in agreement with the truthfulness of the statement that Jesus is Lord, and by faith we have believed that Jesus was raised from the dead, and that puts a full exclamation point on the truth that our debt of sin has fully been paid. Come on, say paid off. (laughs) Your salvation is not on layaway. God is not making payments. It is paid in full. You are the righteousness of Christ. You are the chosen one. You are a peculiar people. You are more than a conqueror. Those identities are not put on layaway. Those are yours now, fully bought by the blood and the work of Jesus Christ. Now the full sentence of the penalty of your sin has been served and the power of sin has lost its eternal authority on your life. You are fully forgiven, fully forgiven uh, of all sin present and future and have a new life in Christ because you have been made new. And there's no no condemnation. God is not um, uh, someone who is a, a, a nag who always brings up, well, remember when you did this? Remember when you had said that? Remember when you had did that with that person back then and that called da-da-da? He don't do all that. But he says, your sin is removed from you as the east is far from the west. That he, thank you, Jesus, there is no double jeopardy in God's gospel. That once you have been forgiven, you are forgiven and you have been set free. There is no double jeopardy. You cannot be accused of the same crime again because you were guilty. Yes, you were, but the price has been fully paid. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see the sin. He sees this blood of Jesus. Literally, the roles have transitioned that you were guilty he was sinless, and, and then he took on your guilt, and you took on his sinlessness, and then when God looks at you, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, because of what Christ has done for you on your behalf. Amen. So here's where I, what I end with. I want to end with a couple of practical tools to share this gospel message. That if you believe that, you are saved like nobody else's business. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You are the righteousness of God. You are the head and not the tail. That's what the word of God says about you. That's what the promises of God have been bought for, for you to believe and to live in. So a couple of uh, things to, to practical things to share this gospel. I want to look at um, a, a quick story of Moses when God calls him to bring his people out of Egypt. He says, come, it says Exodus 3 and 10, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of uh, Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you. And this is my sign for you that I have sent you When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses, he kind of questions God's call on his life. He says, I'm going to bring you to Pharaoh, and I uh, I want you to lead my people out of captivity. I want you to lead my people into salvation, out of slavery. He goes, "Uh, who am I that I should do this? God's response is boy, you my homeboy, I'm a, shoot, he doesn't hype Moses up, ain't no hype game of Moses, what does he do, he says, I will be with you, the power of his presence is the promise of success when sharing the gospel, the gospel isn't about you, you're not good, you're right, you're right, you are slow of tongue, you can't speak well, there's all many other things you aren't as qualified, you don't know the Bible, you have never been to seminary, God. All those things may be true, but the, po- the point of the gospel, the gospel isn't good because you are. The gospel is good because he is. <laughs> And so he said, I will be with you. When he gives the command in Matthew uh, 28, Jesus, when he gets ready to leave and gives the great commission, he he sandwiches this uh, um, uh, commission under two things. The first thing he says is, I've been given authority. So follow this instructions. And then after he gives the instructions to share, he says, and I will be with you, lo, until the end of the age, that he has authority and he's with you. That is why you have the confidence to share the gospel it's because of him. So if we think about our confidence, we we will be shamed and we will be in fear of sharing the gospel. But if we think about how good our God is, do you know my daddy? He he got all of the stuff, right? That he is the reason why I can share the gospel confidently because he's good, because he's loving, because he's joy, because he is peace. can't offer those things of myself, but I know who who my daddy is, and I know who I have access to, and he gives me what to say. So we're going to look at John chapter 4, and there's a couple of points where Jesus does some ministry here. Uh, John chapter 1, excuse me, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decides to go to Galilee, He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the uh, prophets also wrote in Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Uh, Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. The first practical tool or tip is intentionality. you have to have intentionality when sharing the gospel. Philip was found... It says Jesus found Philip. Philip was found, and then he went to find Nathaniel. Find is a word of intentionality. He didn't stumble upon Nathanael. Nathanael didn't come find him. He went to go find Nathaniel. There are people that God has put in your area in influence to go find. That you have been found, that's the gospel message. You were lost, not God. You have been found and now he has commissioned you, given you his spirit that you might go find others. You've been found to go find. Philip did not go to seminary. He, did not get a, a, he didn't go to evangelism conference that weekend or training. The only qualification that he had to share the good news of Jesus was that he had been found by Jesus and followed him. Literally that day, Jesus found him. He said, I'm going to go find some others. This is, cool. this is a cool cat. This is the one we've been praying for. Let me go tell, him a, let me tell my homeboys about this Jesus dude. You know what I'm saying? There was no, there was no training. There was, there, was no, there was no title given to Philip, evangelist, pastor, da-da-da. You, you, you don't need that to share the gospel. Two, our purpose is not to argue. Our purpose is to invite. Our purpose is not to argue. Our purpose is to invite. When Nathaniel has doubts about this Jesus guy, he says, well, what good could come out of Nazareth? Philip d- doesn't go, well, actually, um, what had happened was, don't, he didn't get all defensive. What did, Philip, what did Philip say? He says, come and see. Come and see Jesus for yourself. You do not have to get into tit-for-tat arguments with people that don't believe the truth that you're sharing. All you have to say, well, why don't you come see for yourself? Try Jesus out for yourself. But what's also really interesting is that after he, he says, um, what good could come out of Nazareth? Many of us would be like, oh, well, I guess he's not interested. I guess whatever. Philip could have just slammed the door and we left, whatever, you know, um, but he decided to give him an invite anyway. So I'm gonna tell on one of our staff members here he needs prayer. I already warned him, so he knows. So I I, I was asked to at least do this. I'm gonna put a poll out, okay? If someone asks you, hey, what are you doing for lunch? Is that an invite? If you think so, can you please raise your hand? If someone asks you, hey, what are you doing for lunch? All right. Now, if you do not think that is an invite, an actual invite, can you please raise your hand? That's not an actual invite. Great. These are the gospel-believing people. (laughs) These are the truly believed saved. So, after church one Sunday, after church one Sunday... I'm working, and you know we've cleaned up, and Joe and Paige, um, uh, we're getting ready. They're getting ready to depart. I'm staying back for youth, um, doing some work here. And Joe um, asks, "Hey, so, hey, what are you doing for lunch?" And I go, "Well, I have a lot of things to do. I'm really busy, but I, I do need something to eat." Uh, he goes, "Oh, okay." And I said, "What are you doing for lunch?" He goes, "Well, we're trying to figure that out now." Da 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 da. They go off to lunch. They come back, and then. Um, <laughs> I, I did not know that was an invitation. When somebody asks you, hey, what are you doing over the weekend, you're not inviting them to your weekend plans. You just want to know what they are doing. I thought he was just caring for me, was interested. If you want me to come, ask me. The same thing with the gospel. We think we're like, well, we'll share Jesus. This is what my faith is. Um, And I love Jesus. Jesus is the king of my life. But we never actually get to the point of asking them of an invite of like, this is also available for you. And many people are just waiting for an invitation. You have been living your life. That's great. You've been sharing your faith. But is this for them? And here's the thing, here's the thing. We live in a society that's all about my truth. And so it's really, really hard um, to to share this gospel without a, a direct invitation, because they're just like, oh, you're living your life. That's great for you. I'm glad that works out for you. No, 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 no. This is an invitation for all. This is not just my life. This is in need of your life too. That there is some intentionality that needs to be had when asking people about an invitation. Last thing, so four, you cannot change people's hearts and mind. You are not God. You are not called to be God. Keep in mind that Jesus is the one who changes hearts and minds. Philip is out of the picture. After he says, come and see Jesus, the only people that we see in the text is Jesus and Nathaniel. Nathaniel went from who could come, what good could come out of Nazareth to Oh my goodness, the rabbi, you are the son of God. The mind and heart change only happened when they encountered Jesus, not when they encountered Philip. Philip did not change Nathaniel's mind, Jesus did. So here is the thing, you are not spiritually responsible for anybody. You do not carry the weight of someone's decision to trust their life in Jesus. You are responsible for sharing the good news of the gospel. Paul and and Pastor Tyler preached on this last week that Paul said, hey, I preach about Jesus. I showed you Jesus. I pointed you to Jesus. ain't my fault you on hell. Uh, It ain't my fault. Your responsibility is to be the best Jesus ambassador you can be. Intentional about your, uh, your conversations, but you are not in charge of someone saying yes. You cannot force somebody to say yes, and even if you could, that would not be the gospel. Jesus changes hearts and minds. All right. Last but not least, and this is where I'm going to land the plane and the keys can come up. I want to jump to chapter 4. And we had this woman, I preached about uh, this woman at the well last time. And so if you missed it, you go go watch it. Um, I'm not going to give you the full context because I'm not preaching the whole text because we got to go. Some people have to be invited to lunch today. So I love you. The best youth pastor. Our youth pastor is really great. Give it up for our youth pastor. Joe is in the house loving and caring, and he really is intentional most of the time. Um, so, so this woman, so this woman, so this woman, on chapter 4, so he came, uh, Jesus came to this town of Sychar, which is the Samaritans, and near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and jo- Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied, somebody say wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was the sixth hour. It was hot, 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 like hot right now. You know it's hot when it's 90 degrees in Berkeley. Jesus. Um, And he says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water and said to her, give me a drink. Point number five, there is no special time for starting a spiritual conversation. He was wearied, he was tired, and he was hot. You know he was musty and hot. There was no deodorant back then. You know probably his breath wasn't all the best that we could have now. There was no ideal setup. We make this spiritual conversation something so deep. It don't have to be deep. It could be a natural conversation to somebody. Right? That that a freshman boy out of the locker room could still share the gospel just as a put together pastor on the stage. That there is no special time for starting a spiritual conversation. Jesus simply has a conversation with this woman that ends her life changing forever. A conversation is not a lecture. A conversation is not a lecture. Listen to people. Listen to their story. Be present with them in the moment. Don't be so quick to share that you are um, solid to listen. Have your ears open to hear the story of the people that you're talking to. It is, the gospel message is only as important as how much as you care. And people only know what you, only care about what you know until they know how much you care. Point six, I lost my spot. The point of the gospel is not that Jesus was a good moral teacher. It's that he is savior. This woman, Jesus addressed her sin. You can read it later in John chapter 4. Addressed her sin and said, oh, I see that you're a prophet. You know what I've been doing late at night. But her life was not changed because... The sin was addressed. Her life was changed when she realized that she was talking to the Messiah. People do not need laws to follow. People need a Savior to be saved. You cannot legislate a repentant heart. God transforms a repentant heart. People don't need their sin to be pointed out. They need you to point to Jesus, who is the Messiah, who changes hearts. Point number seven, no matter how dark or how close your past is to your present, it doesn't disqualify you from good news. This woman had an adulterous past, but now she has a forgiven present. And the matter of the conversation, her life was changed, and she immediately went to go share her faith. She, again, she wasn't trained for this. She didn't wait uh, a couple of days. She probably still was with the man um, that, uh, that she had left, had slept with that night um, and she probably didn't even have a conversation with him. She, it says that she immediately left her water pot and went into the town to say, come and see a man that told me all that I did, that it was the power of her story as she brought people to Jesus. That's point eight. Share the gospel by telling your story. You have a story if Jesus has encountered your life. People need to hear your testimony. People need to hear your story. It says that many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I did. There are people that God is wanting uh, to send your way to hear your testimony to believe in him. Your testimony is not just for you, but it's for somebody else. This is an encouragement. Share your story. It's going to bless someone. and It's going to encourage somebody to see the Jesus that they have never met before. Nine, people need Jesus for themselves. They can't just live off of what Jesus has done for you. It says that the people said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves that Jesus uh, is the Savior of the world indeed. That is because of this woman's testimony that led them to Jesus, but they stayed because of Jesus. So let your testimony lead people to Jesus, but don't let that be the reason why they stay. That won't sustain them. That won't save them. It's Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is the point of all this. And last but not least, play the long game. Jesus did not leave right away, but stayed with people, actually communed with people for a couple of days. How many of us are so quick to give up on people? Oh, they said no to invite the church. I guess they're going to hell. (laughs) If Jesus was so quick to give up on you, There would be nobody in this room. (laughs) Jesus plays the long game. All right, I'm gonna get ready to pray. Let's let's stand. Here are some practical next steps and some reflection questions that I would love um, you to take a picture of as I get ready to pray. One of the first practical next steps could be to text someone and say something like, hey, You were just on my mind. Is there anything I can pray for that starts a spiritual conversation with people? Set up a time to have dinner with someone to hear their story that doesn't already go to this church. Pray uh, pray that the Lord will show you opportunities to share Him with others. It's something that we need to pray about. And pray for the grace of God for the conversations that you're having. Invite somebody to church. And spend time thinking about how to communicate your story. Maybe write it down. So God, here we are in this place. God, we have heard your gospel message. God, under the sound of my voice, if there are people in this room that you're like, I have not actually made a decision to trust in this gospel. Maybe I've been trying to save myself. Maybe I have other Romans 3.23s where I have different standards for my life, but I'm ready just to surrender my life. I'm ready for the hope that Christ has bought for me. I'm ready for the peace that Christ has already been paid. I want to know this God. I want intimate relationship with him. If he's real, I want this if that's you this morning, I, I just want to pray with you. And if you would just uh, you slip your hands up on the count of three, I would love to just pray with you. One, two, three. If you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, we see that hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. God sees that hand. This is a gospel message that you have intimate relationship with him in this moment. That Let's pray this together. God, Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I pray that today I will never be the same. I trust in your death, burial, and resurrection. I was a sinner, but now saved by grace. Now I have intimate relationship with you. I'm so excited to see where my life is to go. God, I trust you. I believe in you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.